Welcome to another fun-filled episode of the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. I thought we we're gonna have to take a take take two. <laughs> <laughs> we keep it rolling sometimes, and this is one of those situations right here. <laughs> Along with Lakina McGee, which is she. I am Sydney Brown. That's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, that's SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan McGee on the IG. You can adjust your camera a little bit there, Lakina, for those of you watching on YouTube. There we go. <laughs> uh, speaking of YouTube, you can catch uh, episodes of Second City Sports on YouTube every Monday and Friday at War Media. Once again, at War Media, W-A-R-R Media on YouTube. You can catch the episodes, the video version of Second City Sports on YouTube every Monday and Friday, once again, at War Media. You can catch our podcast still on Tuesdays and Saturdays at War on Anchor, once again, at W-A-R-R on Anchor, which keeps you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and the iHeartRadio app. Just type in your search engine boxes on, on all podcast platforms, W-A-R-R on Anchor. And you can follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And go to our website, weareregalradio.com for more information. And thank you in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Yes, and since we are in Chicago, as you well know, let's start off with some baseball uh, great news for both of our teams. Let's start off with my favorite team, the mm -hmm. Chicago White Sox. Uh, Thursday's home opener will be one for the record books. Starting pitcher Lance Lynn, who was, who was acquired in the trade for Dane Dunning in the offseason, he showed off his stuff on Thursday, striking out 11 Royals batters. Uh, the first time that's been done uh, in a home opener since Edwin Jackson back 10 years ago as the Rock Sox, White Sox destroyed the Kansas City Royals 6-0. Jose Abreu was finally uh, applauded by the Sox fans. Of course, there was no fans in the Saints last year. He was given his plaque for AL MVP from a year ago. Johan Mankata blasted a three-run home run in the first inning. Yermin Mercedes, a.k.a. the Yamaneta, <laughs> blasted his first home, uh, his second home run of the year, I should say. Uh, it was a beautiful day, Lakina. Uh, after a two-and-a-half-hour rain delay, <laughs> the Sox did what they had to do after that disastrous inning to the road trip on Wednesday at Seattle, that sixth inning. Uh, we won't get into that too much. We probably will, but I don't want to get into it just yet. I'm going to save her <laughs> the win from Thursday. It was a perfect game for the White Sox. They did what they had to do. They took advantage of the world's mistakes. You couldn't ask uh, this. Uh, you couldn't ask for a much better performance uh, from a team who's dealing with injuries themselves, but the White Sox still have enough talent um, more than Kansas City. They did what they had to do on Thursday to get the 6 nothing shutout win. This is where the death of the White Sox sort of, you know, trumps mm -hmm. a lot of these, a lot of this because, you know, like you said, Mercedes, you know, Moncada had a big, had a nice day yesterday. You know, Robert had a, had, a, had a nice day yesterday too. So look, I think that if you get those guys to kind of pick up the slack for some of the injuries you're, you're, that you know, the White Sox have right now, I think that should definitely help them and keep them in it. You know, it's sort of like in the front of the AL Central. Lance Lang, you know, look, this is why you signed him to, you know, eat up mm -hmm. innings, you know, 11 strikeouts. I think that's probably like, you know, the most he's had 
in in you know in a while. So you know, I think that's what you want for him to eat up innings. You know, they they wasted his first outing against the Angels. You know, they were they didn't waste it this time. So um, I'm happy for mm-hmm. him. I'm happy for you know you know they kind of redeemed themselves after what happened to the Mariners a couple of days ago in that last game, which you know they should have swept the series. Let's be honest against the Mariners, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think, look, this is sort of like what you want to sort of, you know, get rid of that game, you know, have a nice little bounce back. And, you know, the emotion of the home opener, you know, having to wait because of rain and, you know, mm-hmm. you know it was downpours on Thursday. You know, it was worth the wait. It was worth the wait. And this is what uh, Sox fans had expected from their team all offseason uh, due to the the signings and the trades and all the hype and the expectations. It was nice to see a little bit over 10,000 fans at Sox Park. I'm not calling it that corporate name. Never have, mm-hmm. never will. So get over it. <laughs> I was used there. I was so petty about it. Anyway, <laughs> but it was nice to see fans back in the stands. Of course, Jason Benetti and Steve Stone, the TV crew for NBC Sports Chicago for the White Sox, they announced it, obviously, uh, during their broadcast. And um, it's, not a, it's not a question of if. It's a, it's a matter of when, W-H-E-N, when uh, the capacity will open up a little bit more for the White Sox, for us fans, to more fans to start letting in. I know we'll get into this later with our special guest. We won't tell you just yet. So you have to mm-hmm. stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tease, tuned. Tease, tease, Exactly. As mm-hmm. D from the Dean and David show used to say, it's called a tease. Yes. But uh, I tried to get tickets for a couple of games for next week, and I couldn't get any tickets Aww, it's not my internet but uh something's fishy over there in socks park you know whoever's running their website who's running their ticket department over there <laughs> i can't have access to see if i have a fair chance to get tickets i'm upset about that <laughs> but with that but with that with that being i understand that i know like i said it's limited capacity i understand that but <laughs> going going back to the game uh, it, it was nice to see the White Sox taking advantage of the mistakes by the Kansas City pitcher, uh, Heller, who was the starting pitcher, if you guys may not remember. A couple years ago, Tim Anderson did the backflip. Yes. He took a session, and they said something about your mama, this, and your mama, that, and you know, all went to a silly brouhaha, and and that went that. <laughs> but, but, but back to Thursday's games, the Sox took advantage of the Kansas City's Pitching mistakes, uh, the hitters got back on a roll. As I mentioned earlier, Moncada, it was nice to see him hit their home run. As we talked about before the season, Lakina, um, I expect him to have a bounce back year. He's on his way to doing that. I'm not calling him A on MVP and all that, but uh, he's having a nice start to the season. Adam Eden, uh, I want him to see him in left field play better defense. I know he had the, a big error the other day in Seattle. Uh, it was nice to see him at the plate yesterday. I know he was a leadoff hitter on Thursday. And so um, you need to see more out of him until Tim Anderson gets back. I know Tim Anderson's on the 10-day injured list right now. So as you mentioned, Ken, the depth of the team is still strong. And you need those guys to step in and step up. Well, and I think hopefully that they can be consistent in that because you can't have like one guy be really good and then everyone else, pff, you know, be, be terrible or, mm-hmm. or vice versa. So I think, look, you, you have to keep them with that consistency throughout, you know, and the good news is that the White Sox have the depth to do that. So I'm, I'm, I look, when they, you know, when they lost the series against the Angels, we talked about it earlier this week, I wasn't freaking out about mm-hmm. it. Look, this team's mm-hmm. way too talented to, you know, not let that stop them. And look, it's a long season. You're going to have dud series. It happens. Even some of the best teams mm-hmm. have them. So, 
we'll talk about a couple of those teams in a little bit. But look, I, I think, look, this is what you're supposed to do against a team that you're better than. You're better than KC. So if you don't win at least a series or at least split with them, <laughs> then it's a disappointment. So if they can just win the series, you know, you're, you're in good shape. Absolutely. And going back to Tony and La Russa, Lakina, I want to ask you this question. I've been listening to local sports radio in this town for the last 24 to 48 hours or so. And I know Tony LaRusso and his presser following Wednesday's loss at Seattle, he, he took it upon the chin uh, for, for the loss, even though it was a bad six inning for, uh, for everyone. Yeah. My, my feeling is this. I understand LaRusso, as we all know, he's been around this game a long time. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, the, uh, the players has to take the bulk of the responsibility. Yes, there's enough blame to go around. Yes, but ultimately, it's the players' responsibility to, 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 to make plays. Coaches are there to put your players in position to make plays. It's the player's job to go out and execute. I, if it was a, a, a blame pie, I say I would say about 40% manager, mm-hmm. 60% players. That's, I, I'll go with that. I think, look, the manager can make the moves. You can make the lineup and such and make the pitching moves, what have you. But it's, it's up to mm-hmm. the player to produce. And I think this is the thing that people are that don't get when it comes to baseball. <laughs> I mean, yes, yeah. you can, yes, you can blame the manager if you know some of it, but most of it, if they're not producing it, he's not on the field. He's not like hitting or pitching. So, you know, for people to say that, well, you know, it's all LaRusso's fault. I mean, look, he, he took it upon himself looking at, and you know, he's not, he's never been afraid to do that. He's never been afraid to sort of like, you know, blame himself for something that that goes wrong. You know, so I, I you know, you got to commend him for that. But again, you know, that, that, that error wasn't his fault. So, I, I mean, just, just, you know, some bad decisions all around. And look, I Again, a long season, you're going to have those types of things, too. So, um, again, I'm not going to, like, you know, throw him out of town. No, no, I'm not doing that. So, he looked, he's, <laughs> look, he, he owned up to it, and, you know, they were able to bounce back on Thursday against the, against the Royals. So, I'm, I'm not, like, going to, you know, like, throw stones at him. <laughs> and also, too, uh, just wrapping up our White Sox conversation, Lance Lynn is a bulldog. He eats up innings. It was nice to see him get that complete game on Thursday. The bullpen – uh, received a much day off, especially mm-hmm. after what happened uh, in, in the series finale against Seattle o- on Wednesday. So let me mute that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's some internet crap trying to interfere with our show. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, Lance Lynn pitched, uh, I'm not going to say the game of his life because he's been in postseason action before in World yeah. Series games, so bigger than this. But it was great to see him in his home White Sox uh, debut uh Pitch a stellar game, as I tweeted it out following the game. The bullpen needed a much day off. Uh, like you said, Lakina, the White Sox have a great chance to win this series. You have Dylan C's taking the bump Saturday, which is today if you're listening via the podcast mm-hmm. form. So Dylan C's will pitch today and tomorrow, which will be Sunday. Uh, Carlos Rodon will pitch the series finale. So the White Sox have a chance to sweep the Kansas, Kansas City Worlds. Uh, I did, we all said uh, during our White Sox preview show, which you check out here on YouTube at War Media, once again at WARR Media, that the Kansas City Worlds still could give uh, the teams in the AL Central trouble. But for the White Sox right now, the way this team is playing, even though you're not at full strength, you should win this series no less two out of three. You should sweep, to be honest with you. But I'll be disappointed if they lose these next two games today and tomorrow. 
they should be able to win the series, I think. So mm-hmm. there, there's really like no excuse. I mean, yes, the Royals are they're they're like they're brassy and they're they're you know of course they're the, your division rivals. Of course you're gonna have always have a hard <laughs> time. But I think look, I, there's no excuse for the White Sox to not win this series, especially who that the pitching matchup. The pitching matchup totally favors them. So I'm you know look, I would be disappointed too if they don't at least. At least, at least, like win two out of three. That that's my, you know, my synopsis mm-hmm. of it. Like, win at least two out of three, and then you're fine. A sweep would be yeah. even better, but you know, I'll, I'll just I'll take two out of three. And plus, you have Cleveland coming in here next week, starting yeah. on Monday. You're listening to the weekend edition of Sega City Sports, along with Lakina McGee, which is she. I am Cindy Brown. That's me. <laughs> as we talk about Chicago baseball right now, as we head over to the north side, the Chicago Cubs help the Pittsburgh Pirates open up uh, their home schedule at PNC Park. With a loss, the the Cubs defeated the Pirates on Thursday by the score of four to two. Anthony Rizzo had uh, had a home run. Also, Javi Baez had his second home run of the season. Chris Bryant also hit one out as well. Lakina, as we said before, uh, looks like it's going to be a, the same formula again this year. Uh, the same formula again this year is all home runs or nothing. Uh, it worked out for them yesterday on the power surge, but at some point they're going to have to eke out some runs here. The a power, as we said before, power is only going to take you so far, but it's about the pitching for the Cubs. It's about the defense, and you're going to have to manufacture some runs and start getting in the habit of doing that at some point. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm sure Cubs fans don't want to have to throw a parade every time this team gets more than four mm-hmm. hits. I mean, I don't think they want to do that. So, look, I mean, they had mm-hmm. eleven. They had eleven hits. You know, they were able to, you know, capitalize. You know, their relief pitching helped them. Craig Kimball's probably pitching the best he's pitched in a while, not giving up. Had three. Struck out the side again. Had three strikeouts. I, I mean, look, it, it's look. I think if you're if you're a Cubs fan, I think this is what you want that consistency from hitting. You know, mm-hmm. your pitch has been your pitch has been, been been pretty decent. I mean, you know, look, Arietta has looked really good. I mean, yes, he's not the Arietta we saw when he was here <laughs> in Chicago the first time, but at least you know, you're seeing that a little he's better than he's been the last couple of years. If you can get Alec Mills to kind of you know be that you'll be that throw that, that second that third starter, you know, Henderson kind of get it together, get that back in the rotation in there, get the consistent Henny from KB and Rizzo and Contreras and Hayward and look, hopefully Jock Peterson, you know, he finally got his you know, his first home run earlier this week. So as yeah. in the Cubs uniform. So hopefully we can get that consistency from them. And like I said, you know, no more than four hits. I mean they only had look like three against the that the last you know last game of the series against the Brewers they lost. So mm-hmm. you, you can't look you can't be doing that. That's not gonna work. You need that that timely hitting, you know. You don't have to go th- go for the home runs all the time. You can play small ball and it works. Look at what the Dodgers have done. You know, they yes mm-hmm. they've got power hitting, but they can also look they can they can also hit small too. So I think that if they can get that consistency with both I think they'll be they'll be okay. They'll be right there in the NL Central, I think. Going back to the Cubs pitcher for a minute, Lakina. Jake Arrieta, as you mentioned, now he's now two and zero on the young season. He pitched six strong innings. I know he gave up seven hits, but he gave up two runs, including two earned runs. He walked three, but he struck out four. Uh, even though the Cubs offense was struggling a little bit early in that ball game, Arrieta was able to keep the Cubs in the ballgame. I did have a chance to watch a little bit of that on, on Thursday. So I was waiting out the rain delay for the White Sox. Mm. But uh, Arietta, as you, as we mentioned before, and we're going to tell you guys this all season, the 2015, the early 2016 Arietta is not coming back. What you're looking at now is 
an older Jay Garrietta, perhaps a smarter Jay Garrietta, which is okay. You don't need to strike out everybody. You don't need to uh, waste energy striking out guys. You can actually put the ball in play at times. You get uh, your defense a little bit more work and keep them alert. With Jay Garrietta, he's not the workhorse like he used to be. It was great that, that he did that on Thursday, but he's not the pitcher that he once was when he was younger back five, six years ago. So this is the Jake Guerrier you're going to see. Pitching five, perhaps six innings will be his max. So uh, as long as he gives you what he can give you, the office just got to provide more for him, and he should be fine. Cal Hentress, as we know, he's the ace of this staff, and that's the way it's going to go. Jake Guerrier, once again, he's looking good at 2-0. and I do not expect any more from him. I don't expect him to turn back up the clock, but it was a very good performance against the bad team on Thursday, and that's what you expect from Mr. Arietta. Just get, just be consistent. I mean, just be mm-hmm. the, the, just be the guy. Look, he's better than he's been, than he's been the last few years when he was in, in Philly. So if we can get, if we can get like maybe not necessarily, you're not going to get the 2015, 2016 Jake Arietta. If you can get, at least get like close to it, maybe like even like halfway close to that. Mm-hmm. You're you're in good shape if you're a Cubs fan. You just gotta work on that the back end of the rotation, the consistent head, and we'll we'll ask our guests how they feel about that in a little bit. But look, I think if we can keep if we can keep it up with the Cubs, I think they can be sort of like well, we'll talk the rest of the rest of it will be in a second before we wrap up our baseball talk. But I think look, get that mm-hmm. you know get that consistency going. You know, it'll 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 be okay. It'll be okay, I, I believe, as well. They could uh, be consistent. Also, let's give uh, credit, too, to uh, closer Craig Kimbrough. Yes. He has a zero ERA so far because he has two saves. And mm-hmm. that was one of my concerns uh, for the Cubs coming into the season, how Craig Kimbrough, how, how would he bounce back after a shaky 2020 season because manager David Ross was patient with him, but uh, he struggled in the middle of the season and he got the closest job taken away from him and rightfully so. But now I know it's early. We barely play the week now. He's, he's two, he's uh, two for two in saves. I'm not going to say he's going to be perfect for the whole year. I do not expect that, but it's nice to see him uh, have a strong start to this early season. Which is what you want. I mean, there, there, look, there mm-hmm. are rumors in, you know, in, in spring training that, you know, that maybe, maybe they may take the closest job away. So I don't know what he's doing. Hopefully, he keeps doing it. And look, we'll, we'll see. This is Ken. This is the, the, you know, the Kimbrel that the Cubs fans were expecting. Yeah, and take a look at the pitching matchups for the rest of the series for the Cubs. You've listened to us on the podcast, which is Saturday. It is today. Zach Davies will take the mound, of course, on Sunday, which is tomorrow. Trevor Williams will make his road debut against the Pirates, against his former team. So the Cubs are in, are in interesting territory as well. They should be able to take uh, the at least take two out of three on the road against the Pirates for their first road series of the year. Yeah, that, that's I think that's, that's that can only give them give you give you confidence to get to the because it gets a little bit tougher you know next week for them. So hopefully you know they can go through this you know easy easy part of their mm-hmm. schedule and then have you know just you know go through a lot of that. Yep. Has anything else impressed you in this first week of action around the game of baseball, Lakina? Houston. I mean, look, Houston. Look, I I think they're feeding off the motivation of you know people booing them. I mean, look, Altuve has looked really good so far for them. Look, the Angels are still you know look they won the series against the Sox, the White Sox, and you know look they they they've kind of been able to keep it up. Philly too. I mean, Philly's looked really good so so far. Again, this is still very early. You know, yes, the the Red Sox. The Red Sox have won four in a row, but. 
I, I mean, eh, I'm not, look, I'm not, not freaking out just yet. I mean, look, Baltimore has looked good so far, but I think for, I think for me, I, I think, look, I think that these are the type of, some of the teams that you expected. I mean, you know, the, the Twins are like five and two and, you know, the, the, the Dodgers are five and two as well, the defending champs. So they've looked really good. So I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm kind of optimistic, you know, the Padres have struggled, you know, Tatis is out with a shoulder injury. He might be gone yeah. longer. So that, that's the thing that is really like starting to worry me a little bit. And I know my Google machine isn't working just yet, but shout out to that Baltimore Orioles player up, up the 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 Orioles organization honored him on Thursday coming back from colon cancer he missed all of 2020 and uh, he showed up for the home opener yesterday and played and the, uh, both the Boston fans and the Baltimore fans gave him a standing ovation I thought that was uh, really cool I know that especially during these times that we're in right now even though we're in the early stages of getting back to normal uh, health is the most important thing for all of us uh, human beings I don't care who you are uh, where you come from, you know, take care of your health and hopefully, you know, people um, don't uh, get really sick. But it was nice to see the, that Baltimore Orioles player uh, bounce back from colon cancer. He, he last played two years ago, missed all of last season. It was nice to see him back on the field on Thursday. And I think he got, yeah, I think he got a hit too. So that that's, mm-hmm. you know, that that's a victory too. And I'm sorry if I forget the player's name, but I mm. – <laughs> well, I'll look it for, up for you. Um, okay, thank you, yeah. Akina. Yeah, no, that's no, why you have teammates for. That's, that's, that's what we have. The, that's what I'm here for. Um, yeah, look, I, I saw that moment. That was, you know, just a just a beautiful moment. And look, you you, you don't have a heart if you didn't get a, get teary eyed and with with that. And I, look, I, I think you know Trey Mancini. That's the, that's the, that's who you're thank talking you, about. Thank Sid. you. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, got got yes. the you know, got the, the clean bill of help last year. And of course, he had to be very careful because of COVID and and everything. Mm-hmm. So. So I think it was that was nice to see. And look, you know, the Orioles have been playing well, like I said, so far. Well, I don't think they'll be able to keep it up. But I, again, you know, it, it's nice to that, that was nice to see in of itself you know, earlier this week. Yes, it was very nice to see. Let's transition over to basketball, Lakina in the NBA. Of course, the Chicago Bulls, excuse me. Their record currently stands at 22 and 28. There are six games below 500. They are 12 and 12 away from the United Center uh, as of this recording. Of course, on Thursday, the Bulls mm-hmm. got a big road win at Tampa. That's right. I said it at Tampa against the mm-hmm. Toronto Raptors, 122 to 113. Zach Levine looks like he's getting back into form. Lakina still dealing with that ankle injury. He scored 22 points and dished out 13 assists. Well, Chris Boucher for Toronto scored a game high, 38 points and grabbed the game High 19 rebounds. Lakina, as we talked about in our last episode, we talked about this for the last week, week and a half or so. The Bulls are in the softest part of the schedule right now. I know they're going to get the Atlanta Hawks, I believe, uh, this weekend, uh, and they play Minnesota on Sunday. The Bulls, the, the road is open for them to make up some ground and perhaps get back to 500 and put themselves in a better position in terms of sitting for the playoffs. But getting back to Thursday's game, it was nice to see them actually play team basketball. Laurie Marketing actually getting involved in some scoring. I'm shocked. <laughs> scoring mm-hmm. 18 points, 8 of 10 shooting. Um, Brown Jr., Troy Brown Jr., I should say. I really like this young man. He was uh, part of that uh, trade, that, that trade that uh, from Boston, from Boston uh, the Boston trade with Daniel Tice. I know he didn't score on Thursday, but 
uh, his presence has been felt over these last few games, and I hope Billy Donovan keeps in the rotation as long as Brown Jr. can uh, keep up his intensity. But Thomas Sadoransky, he's your starting point guard as of now. He scored nine points and dished out seven assists. He only had one turnover. That's key, folks, one turnover. So if you keep those turnovers down, as far as not just Sadoransky, but for the team, you give yourselves a better chance to win. Nikolai Vujic scored. Uh, he tied for Zach Levine with the team high of 22 points. He grabbed several rebounds, dished out four assists. Patrick Williams chipped in with 11. Thaddeus Young, or as Stacey King will call him, Thaddeus, uh, uh, Thaddeus Johnson. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I think I messed up the nickname, but that's okay. But you know what I mean. You guys watch the broadcast. He ch- chipped in with the 11 points as well. So as we talked about before, it's nice to see balanced scoring from this Bulls team. You shouldn't have to depend depend, uh, hand over the keys to Zach Levine and Vukovic uh, only. Uh, let's just let those two score all the points. Uh, the rest of us just can just take a back seat. That's not how you win in this league. Everybody needs to uh, contribute here and there and just have a, a balance in, term, in terms of total team effort and scoring as well. And the Bulls have been playing great team basketball lately. Well, and look, Zach, you know, Zach had 13 assists which is the most he's had since the, that's, that's the most he's had since he's been here. I know he had 14. Mm-hmm. I think he had 14, I believe, when he was still in Minnesota. But, look, I think that's, yeah. what, you, I think that's what you want. You, know, you don't want have him to have all the burden of scoring. That's why you brought in Vucevic. You know, he could be the kind of the guy that be the facilitator in the offense at times. And Laurie Markman coming from the bench had 18. And, you know, Daniel Tice had 14 off the bench. Also, Kobe White is, you know, relishing his new role off the bench. So, look, I think, you know, look, I think they're starting to mesh finally. And, look, they're taking advantage of, of some of the teams that are shorthanded due to, you know, various reasons. So, look, and the Raptors are, are one of those teams. And, Look, we'll, we'll see what they do the weekend against the the rap. I mean, uh, the Hawks and the T Wolves. But look, I think that this is a mm-hmm. part of the schedule where they should be able to make up some ground and probably get closer and closer to five hundred. But that's all you. That's all. Look, that's all you can ask for if you're a Bulls fan. And look, I, I think it's going to be you know very interesting to see what you know what entails the rest of the season because I think they're still they're starting to mesh again, which is what you what you want. And look, like it, you know, they're playing team basketball from start to finish. You're not letting one or two guys you know do do their thing I mean they're spreading the ball around better they're they're assisting you know they're you know assisting mm-hmm. and you know that and it, it's good to see it's sort of you know it feels like a real basketball team now which we weren't saying that three weeks ago before the trade deadline no we weren't because you didn't have the players that were consistent you didn't they didn't have the heart they didn't have the hunger for whatever reason for whatever reason so like like we talked about before mm-hmm. once uh, the, the those two trades were made uh, we're going to see what the management is going to do over the summer, and this is part of their plan. Now, as I said before, is this a finished product for the Bulls? No, we'll see more of this over the summer. We'll get into that more as we uh, get closer to the season, and perhaps hopefully this team will, will make the playoffs. Now, the, do the Bulls have a better chance to make the playoffs? Yes, and I think they, I think they can. Like, like we said before, the schedule – that they're, that they're on right now for the next couple of weeks is in front of them against winnable opponents. So there's no excuse for the Bulls. They're playing good right now. Let's hope, just hope they can stay, stay consistent. Now, the Atlanta game, uh, by the time this is out, it, it would have already been played. So uh, hopefully they'll take care of business there. And uh, they should take care of business against Minnesota. So we'll recap those games for you on our next episode coming up next week. So – the, the Bulls, they're looking good right now, Press uh, Obviously, the best they looked as a team since the Vujic trade. Of course, remember when he was acquired, Lakina, 
they didn't have any practice time. So it, they had a couple of days here and there to try to implement a system to get some practice time in. So uh, you, you're seeing the fruits of the labor starting to pay off a little bit. Just hope that this team can keep it going. Yeah, let, let's hope they can. I mean, this is this they're becoming kind of an exciting team, and it's good to see mm -hmm. that it seems like the league's finally getting taken notice now. Which is which? Look, I think. Look, I think that the, the NBA is better when the Bulls are up there. I know I'm not I'm not, not trying to be a homer, but I think look, I think that's <laughs> I like I think this is when you know that this is when they're really good. I think this is you know both LA teams and New York and Boston and of course you know Chicago too. I think that's that's when the NBA mm -hmm. is really good. So hopefully this will be a sign of good things to come. You're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee, which is she. I'm Cindy Brown, which is me. Mm -hmm. As we all know, as we talk basketball now, let's switch over to the bigger picture in the association. Lakina, what impressed you most about the action from the NBA this past week? It looks, it looks like MB's this, you know, saying, I'm back. I'm back at the top of the MVP conversation. You know, he had 35 points in his return against the Celtics. Um, they Sixers sweep the Celtics for the first time since the 01 season, the 2000, 2001 season. So that, mm -hmm. that, that's pretty impressive, too. Boston's still having those, you know, they're fighting those demons. So although they were able to bounce back against, a, a, you know, a squeaker against the Knicks, so that, that helps them, you know, confidence-wise a, a little bit. Um, I, I think for for me, I think the Clippers. You know, the Clippers had a nice win against against the um, the Suns on, on Thursday. That you know, I, I watched that game. That was actually a pretty exciting game. And look, Devin Booker yeah. does what you know what Devin Booker always does. You know, twenty four points, but made some big you know steals and big turnovers late. And then you know, of course, CP three, you know, doing what he always does. I guess down to the wire, so they were able to kind of tame Paul George. So. I think some of, some of the things I saw, you know, over this week, I mean, the Lakers have been up and down, which unfortunately is what we expected, especially with now, with still LeBron and KD, I mean, uh, AD out. Um, they, beat, they beat the Raptors, but, you know, they've been kind of struggling. So I'm a little bit, I'm not worried about them right now, but I think that, you know, I think that maybe, you know, you're kind of hoping and praying that both, a, both AD and LeBron will be back soon. I mean, Denver without Murray, they Jamal Murray, he took Wednesday's game off against the Spurs. Mm -hmm. You know, Jokic had 25, you know, they, but they ended up winning by 10. So they, that, they looked really good even without Murray in the lineup. Um, you know, Miami, you know, like I said, with the Lakers, I mean, they've been up and down, had a nice win against the Raptors, but then they lose on Thursday against the Heat. I know our, our girl, Lana Tekar, who's, you know, <laughs> I know that made her happy. Um, Jimmy Butler had 28. You know, they made some key stops late. I mean, you know, Lakers tried to come back, but it was too big mm -hmm. of a deficit from the overcome. Yeah, if you follow her, yeah, if you follow her on social media, she lets her feelings out oh, <laughs> in yeah. more ways than one. Yeah, she, she, well, and she's not afraid to let her feelings be known. So we'll let, that's why, that's why we love her. Hope we got to get her back on soon. Yeah. Um, but, but look, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, Denver's won seven in a row. The Grizzlies, you know, kind of like sneaking by. They've won four in a row. Mm -hmm. You know, John Morant, you know, has been playing well. Also, the supporting cast has been playing very well, too. The Knicks have kind of struggled a bit. So they, they're kind of, I think they're starting to fall back to earth. So what about you, Sid? What has impressed you or, or not impressed you this week? Before I get to that question, one question for you, Lakina, uh, and I missed inside the NBA. I know, shame on me, uh, from Thursday. Did <laughs> yeah, you watch the halftime of that Clippers-Phoenix uh, game? Did you watch the halftime show? I, I did not, but I saw, I saw like, you know, like replays of it on uh, or around the, the, the Twitterverse. 
Okay. I know Kevin Frazier was filling in for Ernie Johnson. Shout out yeah. Kevin Frazier. We need you back in sports full time. I yeah. know you do great. He does a, he does he does a great job. job yeah, the, he does a great team. job of entertainment years, tonight, yes, but, but, the, but we need him back on sports yes, full time. But that's yes. just me being selfish. But yes. <laughs> uh, I believe I don't want to misquote anybody, but watching hat, that hat ties segment, I don't want to misquote anybody, but um, Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley, they were talking about the Phoenix Suns. Uh -huh. And I think they brought up the name of Chris Ball, perhaps for MVP. Would yes. you put him up there for MVP, at least in your top five? Um, maybe top five, top seven, maybe. I don't, okay. I don't look, I mean, I could kind of see why some people would, how Kenny and Charles would feel that way because of what mm -hmm. they've done kind of like helped you know, sort of be that, like that, that leader for the Suns and sort of being like a mentor mm -hmm. to Devin Booker. I can kind of see why, you know, and it's not just them. I've seen, I've seen some other folks say, you know, maybe, maybe CP3 for MVP. I mean, you know, that's a, that's a nice little slogan there, I guess. But uh, I, yeah. I, mean, I mean, look, I, I can kind of see, I can kind of see it. I mean, look, they're, they're number two. They're only two and a half out of the number one seed. So I think that's helping that, that, that they're mm -hmm. winning. They're 36 and 15 as of this recording. So, you know, I can, you know, they were they were sort of there last year. The Suns were in the bubble. They almost pulled off some upsets. Now CP3 is, has come in and you know kind of like be mm -hmm. sort of like make them believe. And you know, of course, Monty Williams, you know, you know his coaching. I think they they you know I think they look. I think they're getting the confidence. I think you're they're, you're seeing it in their play. I think you know I think having a, an experienced guy like CP3 to you know he's had sort of like you know the, mm -hmm. the playoffs and stuff like that. So look, I, I can kind of see why some. Look, I, I think he's in my top seven. I wouldn't put him as like my top three or four yet, but I can kind of see why some would say that maybe CP three could be, you know, and should be in the running for MVP. What about you? Mm -hmm. I I knew that Chris Paul would make an impact on the Suns team. How much would it be? Uh, no one knew. I think uh, Gincolio surely picked. Phoenix as a playoff team. Now, I think was shocking. I'm using air quotes here for those mm -hmm. who are listening exclusively on our podcast. But you know, to for the Suns to be number two in the West, especially at this late stage of the season, I think you have five or six more weeks left in the regular season. Uh, for the Suns to, to be number two in the West, yes, I know the Lakers have injuries. We, we get it. But uh, for the Suns to be in this position, you had to tip your half off to them. And shout out to head coach Monty Williams, who should be the front runner for coach of the year, by the way. I don't know why mm -hmm. people are not talking more about him for yeah, coach of the I, year, but that's all another story. But we're going to pump him up <laughs> right here on this show. Yes, I know are. that for damn sure. Yes. But uh, I think Chris Paul will be in the top five, as you say, top five, top six for MVP in my mind. But since he's back now, as you mentioned at the top of this segment, Joel and B for Philadelphia, he's my number one. Number two is Nikolai Jokic from Denver. And number three is Damian Lillard from Portland. Those are my top three guys right now for MVP. Yeah, that, yeah, I'd probably write that with you. I think, I think, I think CP3 is like in the top five or six, but I, I wouldn't put him like in the front right now, at least not yet. Yeah. And the, the, the highlight that stood out to me this week, Lakina, you just touched on it a couple of moments ago, the Phoenix Suns defeating the Utah Jazz. 117 to 113 in overtime on Wednesday. That was the late game on ESPN. Donovan Mitchell had 41 points for Utah. Chris Paul had a huge three-pointer late in that overtime. That was that three-pointer was including his 29.9 assist performance. Uh, Phoenix, I'm not saying they're going to go to the Western Conference Finals. Maybe maybe they'll happen this year. I, I'm not sure. And given the situation with the Los Angeles Lakers right now. We'll get to them, uh, off, to some news off the court with them in just a minute. But 
Uh, Phoenix can go far. It depends on the matchup. I'm not saying get your tickets for those folks in Phoenix. <laughs> As I know, they land a little bit more fans in there. Some of them yes. more sitting on court side. I'm happy personally, but, you know, Arizona's just like Florida. They've been open up for business for all this time, but we'll leave that alone. But mm-hmm. getting back to the team, <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. I like the way this team's playing right now. DeAndre Aiden has really come on. He had a good performance on Wednesday against Utah. As you mentioned, Devin Booker is the star of that team. Uh, that that is a very good Phoenix Suns team. It depends on the depending on the matchup come playoff time. That will be a tough out for someone. I, look, I mean, I think they they've shown that they can play with the big boys. Being in Utah and like I said, being the Clippers mm-hmm. a couple of days ago. Yeah. I mean, I think that they're showing you that look. You know, we're not just a flash in the pan. We're actually a this is actually a pretty good deep team. And look, you have Monty Williams who's been around the game for many years. And look, you got CP3, who is sort of like, I think he wants to try to get that one last, like, you know, big playoff run mm-hmm. before he retires. You know, DeAndre Ayton has been really good. He's, you know, being the guy that a lot of people thought he would be coming from Arizona. You know, Mikhail Bridges has been really, has been really good. Um, Look, I, look, I, though, Jay Crowder, you know, he didn't score on the, in the Clippers game. He, you know, he had a nice, you know, he had scored a lot against the Jazz. But look, this is a nice deep team. And, and I think, look, I, I think, I think they should, should be getting more notice. I think, I think it's because they, they play in Phoenix. They're not getting noticed, unfortunately. But I think if they mm-hmm. keep winning, I think people are not going to have a choice but to notice them. <laughs> kind of agree with you more. Lakina, before we have, uh, before we take this time out for, the, uh, for, the weekend edition of Second City Sports. Let's go around the league as, as we give you some key games for you Yay. fans to watch this weekend from the association. We'll start off with Saturday's action, which is tonight if you're listening via the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ABC primetime game will be the, the Los Angeles Lakers at the Brooklyn Nets, of course. No LeBron, no AD, probably no uh, Andre Drummond. If you're the Nets, well, James Harden, I believe, will still be out. Kevin Durant, yes. who made his return on Wednesday against the New Orleans Pelicans, scoring 17 points, including five for five from the field. He'll he's back now. Back, of course, Lamarcus Aldridge starting at center. Kyrie Irving is still healthy. This should be another blowout, Lakina. I'm just disappointed. This, this it, it probably still be a preview for the NBA Finals, but the big horses for the Lakers will not be there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure ABC wished that they could have flexed out of this game. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you know, but you know, it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure you're still gonna get a fight from the Lakers. I think, I think for what I read, Andre Drummond should be back for this game tonight. So mm-hmm. maybe that'll make that should make a difference a little bit. But you know, mm-hmm. we'll see because you saw how we how it looked with him on the floor, you know, last week before. I mean, of course, you know, his toe, his toe injury. So hopefully, hopefully this will you know we can get a little bit of a fight here, and you know, we'll see it. We'll see. I mean, we'll see how the, the, the Lakers look, you know, with Drummond. I'm sure they're counting the days until, a, you know, AD and LeBron can come back. But that should be a good game still, nonetheless. Um, Sacramento and Utah should be a good one there at 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. If, that, if that game gets too, a little too out of hand, you know, that should be a good one there. You know, look, the Kings are very – I'll be watching that game via my computer. <laughs> look, the Kings are a very scrappy team, and, you know, don't, yeah. don't look past them, Utah. They're, they're, they're pretty good. Yep, and also, too, at 9 o'clock, it's the Washington Wizards versus uh, the aforementioned Phoenix Suns, Bradley Bill versus Devin Booker. I'll, I'll make sure to check some of that out. Yeah, that should, now be, let's, uh, that should be yeah. a lot of fun. <laughs> Go ahead, Tim. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, let's head it over to Sunday's action. Uh, at high noon, we'll have the Atlanta Hawks against the Charlotte Hornets. As we mentioned, both these teams have been playing better lately, of course. Atlanta with the interim coach, Nate McMillan. 
uh, the Charlotte Hornets, uh, they'll probably miss uh, LaMelo Ball, their rookie point guard for the rest of the season. They're two games over 500 as of this recording. Of mm-hmm. course, at 2 o'clock on NBA TV is Boston at Denver. That should be a good one there. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, actually. That should be hopefully Murray will be able to come back and – you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that should be a fun one there on NBA TV. Uh, let's see. San Antonio and Dallas. I'm, I'm surprised that's not, mm-hmm. um, that's not nationally televised somewhere. That should be, a, that should be a, a very interesting game, too. I mean, look, Dallas has been getting better. San Antonio has struggled a little bit. So that sh- this should be an interesting game nonetheless. Um, Chicago, of course, and Minnesota. They should be able to mm-hmm. – the Bulls, hopefully, will be able to, should be able to win against Minnesota pretty handily. But the game of the night – We'll be at 9 o'clock on the NBA TV, the second half of, not doubleheader because not, it's not back-to-back, but even so, it should be a mm-hmm. good one. Miami and Portland. Yes, that should be fun. Dame Dollar against uh, Jimmy Butler and mm-hmm. Vito Oladipo. Hopefully, he'll be back by then. Uh, I know he uh, exited the game on Thursday against the Lakers with a knee injury. Hopefully, it's not too serious. Yeah. Let's head over to Monday's contest at 6.30 uh, from Madison Square Garden. It's the Lakers and the Knicks. Oh, boy. The <laughs> Knicks are, has struggled lately. They're two games under 500 as of this recording. Uh, the Lakers, of course, they'll be missing their big stars, so you won't see LeBron do any water bottle tricks on the bench <laughs> or do any high-flying dunks. Uh, the first game for that doubleheader on ESPN for Monday will be Dallas uh, hosting the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid against Luka Doncic. That should be fun. Oh, that should be a very entertaining Some with. You know, that should be very entertaining. Um, you know, the Bulls have Memphis. That's, you know, what that's going to be. That's going to be a tough mm-hmm. one for the Bulls. I mean, the Memphis are kind of like right there, like right at the edge of – they're in eighth right now in the Western mm-hmm. Conference as of, as of this recording. So, you know, look, Zach versus John Morant, that should be interesting. That's an interesting and that's a And that's a makeup game for what the Memphis yep. Grizzlies missed from the first half of the year because they were dealing with that COVID issues. I believe that was back in. January. Yes. So the for those of you who are wondering, like this wasn't the original schedule, but yeah, this was mm-hmm. you know that this is a makeup game for them. Um Denver and Golden State. I know Golden State have had their struggles lately too. Draymond Green's been getting himself into trouble for some of the things he said we won't go there. But, <laughs> well, um, this is new. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that's not that's not kind of par for the course for him. But you know, this should be a lot a lot of fun. I mean, I know Golden State have kind of been struggling. You know, Denver has looked really good lately. They've won as of again, as of right now, this recording, they've won seven in a row. But that's this should be an entertaining game. That'll be on ESPN at nine o'clock. Yeah, so we should um that's gonna be another fun, interesting game. And so those uh, your game highlights for this weekend's action from the Around Association. So <laughs> check those out. But we'll, we'll review those uh, weekend games for the Chicago Bulls on our next episode. Uh, so keep it here on Second City Sports. Lakina, let's take this 20-second timeout. Uh, when, when we return, friend of the show from WBEZ 91.5 FM here in Chicago, and she's our Chicago sports historian. She's all ours <laughs> and nobody else's. <laughs> um, we're talking about a uh, good friend, Miss Cheryl Ray Stout. She'll be uh, hopping along with us uh, to talk about Chicago sports and perhaps a little bit more. As Lakina said to me via the DM, hopefully another story, uh, interesting story or two. Uh, you're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports. She's Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. We'll see you on the flip side. Welcome back to the second half of the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. 
Zoom, style. <laughs> <laughs> Along with Lakina McGee, which is she, I am Sydney Brown. That's me. <laughs> you can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at <laughs> SK80. Once again, that's SK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. You can follow me at Keena McGee on the Twitter and at Keena Osgore McGee on the IG. You can catch us first right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media every Monday and Friday. So you'll get to see this show first right here on YouTube. Once again, at War Media, W-A-R-R Media right here on YouTube every Monday and Friday. Our podcast schedule is still the same every Tuesday and Saturday at War on Anchor. Once again, every Tuesday and every Saturday at War on Media. That's W-A-R-R on on Anchor. <laughs> that keeps you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and that iHeartRadio app. Type in that search engine box on all podcast platforms. War on Anchor, W-A-R-R on Anchor. And check out our website, weareregalradio.com. And you can follow us on all social media platforms at War Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Yes, and we are unapologetically fun. And for our next segment, we're going to amp it up a thousand percent because we have our Chicago sports historian. She's all ours for the next segment. <laughs> she's from WBEZ 91.5 FM in Chicago. She's, our, she's the Chicago sports, a sports reporter, friend of the show. Let's welcome Miss Cheryl Ray Stout. Cheryl, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How about you, hey. t- you doing? Doing good. Doing great. Doing, doing great. good. Doing very yeah, good. Let's, yeah, yeah, let's let's start off. With... <laughs> All right, look, <laughs> Kenneth, stop, stop, stop. No, 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 you go for it, Sid. Go for it, <laughs> No, just messing with you. Just messing with you. Uh, let's start off these uh, good vibes and talk about the Chicago White Sox show. Of course, you were there on Thursday covering the home opener against the Kansas City Royals. Of course, the Sox are at 4-4. Four and four for the young season they get back on the on the winning track with a six nothing win over kansas city before we break down their start uh, to the season talk to us about uh the experience that you had covering the home opener for, for the white Sox. at least for me watching on television uh sometimes you can get the feel sometimes you can't you had to be there in person to experience it what was the atmosphere like down there on the south side on thursday well, it was different than it was a year ago. That's for sure. I mean, there was, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> there was. Of course, there was the fans there, and mm-hmm. uh, we went. You know, media went through a screening process with our, you know, getting our temperature like we did, mm-hmm. and then we all have to use the same elevators to go up. Now, the White Sox have been. They did a really good job of creating zones. Yeah, zones where you get you go in with without you know uh, using a ticket. It's a ticketless um, entry. They have a zone where you sit. The zone and that in that same areas where the food's at and the bathrooms are at. So they really limit people mingling all over the place. Of course, they have the thing. No, no. Um, they all have to wear masks. No tailgating. There was no tailgating allowed. So they were very orderly from what I saw. And the interesting thing, even though there was only eighty five hundred people there, they were very loud. They were very joyful. They were enjoying, even though there was a two hour and 12 minute rain delay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, 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 there was a real good feeling. I mean, they, it was interesting when the crowd booed the mayor and the governor, like with the healthcare workers. I mean, they could have just, come on, just, yeah. you, had, you had all those healthcare workers there. Um, but it, there was a, a joyfulness about it. And, and I think because, 
everyone knows that they it was kind of struggling at first, but but the the fans really you know it was neat to see the fans there as they're introducing all the players and how much they were excited for even Roger Bossard being this 55th year as the groundskeeper, mm -hmm. excited for him, excited for your main um, Mercedes yes. or or your mean Mercedes. Lucas Giolito, Tim Anderson, even though he's on the DL, you know, I mean, the, the, the crowd really gave them something that they wanted. And watching Yermin with the fans before the game, you know, taking pictures and stuff like that, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was kind of special. You just see the joy on his face because I know that they think that's the thing that I'm sure all the teams, especially the White Sox, were missing last year. Um, Cheryl, how big of a signing was Lance Lynn? I think it was a very underrated signing, and I talked about it. It you was know, a trade. It was a trade. Tra well, trade. Well, trade. You know, yeah. and but how big of a trade was that? You know, eleven strikeouts in Thursday's game. I mean, you know, he's just been really good. Of course, they wasted you know his first outing against the Angels, but how how big of a trade was this? You know, get a get a veteran guy, you know, to eat up innings and just you know just you know been really good so far. It, it was terrific because he had a relationship with Tony La Russa. It was terrific because Tony La Russa asked him in the eighth inning, when they finished the eighth inning, can you go out there in the ninth? And Tony and him trusted each other to, to know what would work. So when you have that camaraderie between the manager and a pitcher, that's going to be really important because as you mentioned, Lakita, Lakita, he, he does give you a lot of innings. He never had a start. Like, he said this was the best start he ever had, including when he's been in the playoffs. Wow. So for, for him to have that at this point in his career, that's fantastic. Yeah. And he was very funny afterwards. He was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> it was just very <laughs> low key, you know. But, but it, you know, and, and when he struck out the sides to start the, in that first inning, one, two, three strikeouts, what does that do for the rest of the team? It gives them that energy. He goes off the field with a third strikeout. What do they do in the bottom of the first? They get two home runs. So I think there's a lot to be said about that. Let's talk about manager Tony La Russa, Cheryl. Of course, uh, following Wednesday's loss at Seattle, La Russa in front of the media took blame for his uh, substitution patterns, even though the White Sox players had a bad six inning there. Uh, Given the fact this team is at 500 right now, and I know Tony La Russa is trying to set the tone uh, uh, for the team, I, I, you, I always say that you can, tame, you can um, comments on social media, you could take it with a grain of salt, but as I know some fans are giving more blame to La Russa than the players. I say it's 60-40 players. If you're, you're the coach, you, you put your players in, your, in the best position to win. It's ultimately up to the players to go out and execute. Um, do you think I'm wrong in that assessment? Or perhaps you could call me crazy, and that's okay. I mean, you know, but, um, we, were, we were talking to Del Keiko too, because he said that he could have, you know, he could have done things better. But Tony, I, he, you know, I've known Tony for over 30, um, 38 years. I've known him that long and I've known what he's like. And when he said it was me, I think a lot of media that didn't know him real, were surprised at that. But no, 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 that's him. Yeah. He knew he made a mistake. And the other problem is he had a kid. The problem with the white sex with some of these bullpen guys that they have right now that you're seeing a little bit of faltering. Remember last year when they made their rookie, you know, season and their appearances with no crowd? Yeah. No pressure. Really, really. I think that had a lot to do with it. 
And then you have, you know, Matt Foster the other day implode. And Tony, he did admit he did take too long to, to get him out. Yeah. And, he, and, and so I appreciate any type of manager or coach that puts it on themselves. It does take the, because what Tony will do, and he has done this his whole career, he will protect his players every step of the way, no matter what. Yep. Now let's go to Northside for a second, Cheryl. I mean, look, the Cubs, you know, they've been kind of up and down. The hitting hasn't been consistent. Like, you know, Sid and I were saying earlier, I, I'm sure Cubs fans don't want to throw a parade every time the Cubs get more than four hits. Do you think they could be a, you know, not really, not necessarily a contender, but the very least sort of make the North, the NL Central interesting? They could. I mean, the pitching is, is, is very good right now. You go, Craig Kimbrell is completely back the way he's supposed to be, but how long will that last? I am concerned. Yes, they, they beat the Pirates the way they beat them, uh, you know, with, with some hits, but they don't produce big innings. Yeah. They don't manufacture runs well enough. They, they had sacrifice flies. I'll give them that. But they don't seem to tack on runs enough at this point. And that's kind of mirroring what they did last year. And so that has to be a concern, like, okay. And the fact is, when you, when you are Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ, you know, leading off, and, and, and you've got the three Stallworth players in Rizzo, Bias, and Bryant, contract years, you got to try to figure out, okay, who can handle this pressure? And that's what it is, the pressure, because they don't, you know, they don't know what's going to happen after this season. So there's a lot going on with them, not just on the field, but off the field, too, that I think is impacting what could happen or not happen this season. You're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports, along with Lakini McGee, which is she. I am Sydney Brown, which is me. We're joined by our good friend, Chicago A-Sports reporter from WBEZ in Chicago, Ms. Cheryl Ray Stout. Cheryl, I'll ask you the obvious question, even though we're barely a week into the season. If it was up to you, if you were in Jet Hoyer's seat for the Cubs, who stays, who goes between Wilson Contreras, Javi Baez, Javi Baez, and Chris Bryant? Well, I, you know, I think Anthony Rizzo is somebody that they should sign. I, I, I say, even though he's older, but the problem, but the thing is, if you let him go, what are you saying to everybody else on that team? Yeah. Because it he sends a bad message. Right. He, he's kind of like, he's taken the mantle of Mr. Cub from Ernie Banks for this generation. <laughs> and and if, if you do that, that could, that could really hurt them because trust me in that locker room, there are two players that really hold down the locker room. It's him and Jason Hayward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are the two guys since, uh, you know, people like John Lester's gone and, you know, and some other guys, but, but that's really important. Now. But talent wise, you have to see how it plays out with both Javi and Chris Bryant. I think both of those two players, if they, if, if, if Chris Bryant is physically completely back, how can you let him go? But you may not be able to sign him because, you know, his agent is, you know, there's some issues with the agent. Yeah. So I think, I think that Chris could be traded. Javi, I think they want to keep, but Javi's got to come back offensively much more than he has. His offensive numbers, not great. 
All right. Okay, sure. Let's go to the hardwood for a second. The NBA, you know, the Bulls, you know, you can, you can, you can tell the excitement of, by my excitement. You know, it feels good to have an actual basketball team again. You know, Zach Levine, <laughs> right? I mean, look, Zach Levine has like a, a nice, you know, sort of like, you know, second guy, you know, in, you know, in Vucevic and, you know, some of the you know, great players they've got from this trade. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to be like up there with the, with the Phillies and the Milwaukee's, but can they at least sort of be like kind of like that lower tier play, for the Eastern Conference playoffs? Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're right now in the play-in uh, section of the standings. And, 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 what, and people, well, why, do, why would you want to you know, even be in the play-in game? Yeah. Because you have young players still on this team that have to learn how to win. And if you can win getting into the playoffs, that, that, that actually improves their well-being on the court. It improves your well-being in the locker room. It, yeah. it improves your status with wanting a free agent to sign with the team. So I think it's important for them to keep making progress. And what we didn't know until the trading deadline was what our tourist was like. Now we know. He is a man that has no problem going in, deciding what he wants. And he completely changed his team when we look at it. When you really look at how he's changed his team by getting a second all-star. It's hard to get an all-star for the players that he gave up. That was amazing that he did that. And Billy Donovan has, you know, it's a hard job for him too because there's no practice time. I don't know if you realize with the way the, the schedule was played out that they, they're off a lot of days because the problem is when they go on the road, they have to get up early in the morning for their, their COVID testing. Mm-hmm. Now that should start curtailing now that they've had their first vaccine and after they get the second one. But, that, but you're talking about, dealing with a lot of stuff besides learning a new scheme and going into the post and having a big man that can, you know, can kick it out and also do, you know, a, 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 you know, there's so many things that they could do with Vukovic that they couldn't do before with Wendell Carter Jr. And that's huge. And so when I look at this team, I'm going, you know what, I, I like what they've done. And I think the steal in the draft could be uh, Brown. Could be Tony Brown Jr. I think he could be the yeah. steal in the draft. I mean, in, in the in the uh, trading deadline. Yeah, assuming that the Bulls uh, make it to the play-in tournament, Cheryl, or make it to the playoffs, period, and, and we are encouraged as fans, as media members, that the, this Bulls new Bulls management team is aggressive. Uh, what do you expect from the Bulls this, this summer? Do you think they'll finally get that point guard that they need for this team? Because we, we've seen, I like Kobe White, and I told people he's a scorer, but many people expected him to be John Stockton and lead the league in assists. That's not his game. He can still be a playmaker, but he's a scorer first. What do you expect for the Bulls to do? What needs do you think they'll address this summer? I, I think Kobe is not going to be a starter on this team. I think he's going to be a bench player. And I think you're right. I think they're going to go after a point guard. Here's the thing. You have Larry Markin, who's a restricted free agent. And and uh, Lomelo uh, Ball, uh, when I'm getting mixed up, the, <clears throat> the older one. Lonzo. 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 <laughs> Brain. Sorry, Brain. That's okay. Lonzo Ball is also a restricted free agent. I wouldn't be surprised if they go after Ball and they let Market and walk. That could be the trade-off that they may make as far as the postseason. Is he a real point guard? I think he is, but I don't know if, if he's enough for this team to, to make that next step because he hasn't proved it in LA and, and he, you know, he's, 
he's good with uh, New Orleans, but you know, you just don't know where he's going to be. But but that could be the possibility because you got to look at the contracts, and that's that's you know that's the thing. But I, I don't put anything past uh, our tours. The guy, the, he also he has a great handle on European players. Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. tremendous uh, regard for being able to spot talent. So yeah. that's the other thing you got to look at. Is there a player in Europe that he may either sign or draft that can take that spot? How good do you think Patrick Williams can be? I think he'd be a monster. I do. I, th- I think he's got a lot of ability. He's 19 years old. Yeah. He's 19 years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, know, you look at it. And, and when, you know, we always talk about their age, but we're also talking about they haven't physically grown yet. You know, I saw Tyson Chandler when he was with the Bulls, you know, had a waist about this big, you know, it was about that big, and then was, <laughs> right? He was 18. And then all of a sudden he grew, and, and then he was gone by the time he grew. But I'm just saying, so when you see a 19-year-old, a, 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 a tall, muscular 19-year-old, he's only going to get bigger. So physically, I think he's going to be, and, and, and this team likes to be a physical team. And I think that he's one of those players that could rise to that occasion. He's also from what I've been told, very coachable, very coachable. And they just want him. Okay. You could be aggressive. It's okay. And so they, they're taking the lid off of him. And I think you're going to see more and more progress with him as he goes along. Before we move on, Cheryl, to other sports, let's talk about Zach Levine. Oh no, we brought him up here earlier. I think he's due for an extension. He's eligible for an extension mm-hmm. this, this summer. But we've seen him grown on the court, uh, not only defensively, but offensively as well. A couple of names with the, his first all-star game appearance. Do you think that he can get even better, especially now that the Bulls management started to give him better players? Or do you think we've seen him at his max? I think he can get better. I think Billy, okay. Billy Donovan has been the coach for him. Um, I think what he's done – and, and – Remember, they have got all these COVID uh, restrictions of, you know, and, and so they're trying to build these bonds with these strange restrictions that they have. And, and I've seen and I've heard enough from Billy and from Zach that they are in sync. And, and he's buying into what Billy's asking him to do. And, and remember, with making this trade for Vukovic, he's also had to give up some of his offensive, you know, scoring. But what did he do in his last game? He had 13 assists. Mm-hmm. So if, if as long as Billy could convince him, look, you're going to score your 20 points, but you're not going to score 30 and 40 like you used to. You're going to have 20 points. You're going to have maybe nine assists and don't turn the ball over in, the, in key moments of the game. That's only been his problem this, this season. He turns the ball over in the fourth yeah. quarter. I just want to go, ah! <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but, but, but I think he's really, I think, He's somebody that has gone, he's had such a journey with everything he's gone through physically, dealing with a big trade, you know, coming here and having how many coaches that he's had here in just a short time. And I think right now he's got the right coach for him at the right moment. And so he should be able to elevate his game. Oh, I hate to bring down the mood here, guys, but uh, let's talk about the Bears. Um... <laughs> Don't forget, Lakina. One, two, three. Musa. Ramadan's coming up, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got, you got yeah. Have some peace. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to take a little more than that, Cheryl. But um, I, I mean, look, they, they, apparently Ryan Pace and or Matt Nagy have been in like everybody's and their mammies, um, QB, you know, you know, pro day. 
um, you know, they let they let Kyle Fuller go. They may let go of Anthony Miller. They may let go of you know Akeem Hicks. But what 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 is going on with the Bears? You think? Well, you've got a general manager that is hanging on, and he's having again. He's had again another choice of quarterback, which is so unusual. It's so unusual that that uh, you know a GM is being able to keep his job under those circumstances. I, I, put, I don't put the blame as much on Matt Nagy yet because, remember, he wasn't there when Mitchell Trubisky was drafted. Right. He wasn't there when Mike Lennon was signed. He did have Mitchell his second year and actually had, you know, and, and, and got a good season out of him. But Mitchell Trubisky did not live up to what a second-round draft pick was supposed to live up to. I, I feel for Mitchell Trubisky. He's one of the nicest kids I've ever met covering a sport. And I hope that he resurrects his career, you know, not being in Chicago. But with that said, the problem would happen with the salary cap is teams had signed extensions with players before COVID. And the salary cap didn't go up like it normally. So when you're projecting what your salary cap is going to be, you kind of think, okay, 2021 it should go up 10 or 12 or 13 million not only did it not go up it actually went down so the bears are not alone i'm, I'm not giving him a pass i'm just letting you know the bears are not alone and having this quagmire up what do we do now since we are over the cap and they got hit really bad i, I think it was a mistake that they couldn't figure out a way to keep Kyle fuller they did ask him to take a pay cut he didn't do it and, I, and, and that's his right. Yeah, absolutely his right. I just, I just think that's the one player, you know, it's like, geez. I think Akeem Hicks, Hicks will stay in, in, in some way or fashion. But you go back to what is the problem of this team? It's the quarterback situation. And you could have signed Andy Dalton last year for less. And you passed on him and you went with Nick Foles. And now you have Andy Dalton here this year. And I'm going, well, you know, I, you know, and now they're singing his praises because he does have a rapport with Bill Lazor. They work together, you know, uh, in Cincinnati. So I, I just think that Ryan Pace knows that he's on thin ice and the temperature's at 89 degrees. Mm -hmm. So that ice is getting, you know, <laughs> worse and worse for him. <laughs> I do think, though, that they have, they have to, under every circumstance, draft a quarterback. And they got to get that one right. I think after this year, because we still don't know what um, Ryan Pace's contract really is. We believe it's supposed to be end the after this next season, but there's some sort of rumblings that he may have had an extension that we don't know about. So there's that too to think about. I was just getting ready to ask you that, Cheryl, because I've been hearing that too for the last couple of weeks. So have I, yeah. And it, it, that, it, of course, right now, the, the Bears don't want to say anything if that's true because we talked about it before in another subject we'll bring up later in the show. Uh, these teams care about optics. And right now the Bears have been um, thrown uh, shade, as the kids would say, especially mm -hmm. on social media. And if you're the Bears, you, know, you don't want to announce anything like that right now because fans are still upset with you, especially after uh, the Seattle's GM, John Schneider, denying them the, the attempt to get Russell Wilson. Now the story is that the Bears can, the only time the Bears can offer up 
uh, four first-round picks to get Russell Wilson, if the reports to be true, is this upcoming draft in a few weeks. Uh, do you uh, tell these people this ship has uh, SHIP for those of you scoring at home? <laughs> but tell me that ship has sailed for the Bears acquiring <laughs> Russell Wilson. And, and don't, no. thank, please, you. Please, thank you. Please, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It, it, it can't happen. They don't have the means anymore. And Seattle has vehemently said we're not going to trade him. Now, draft day is a different thing. Draft day is a different story, of course, but not for the Bears. The Bears don't have the capital that anymore that they can, they can trade. So that, that's, that's, that's completely out there. I think the interesting situation is Houston. What do they do with Watson, with everything that's swirling around with him? Do you, you know, he may, I think that's a, that's a Pandora box that's open and we got to, you know, wonder what's going to happen there. Because he could end up not even be on the field next year if some of these suits come forward or, or if he gets indicted or something like that. So that's an interesting scenario. So that's where Seattle may make it, you know what I'm saying? If something happens yeah. with, with, with Watson, that opens a door for Houston, you know, to do some stuff. So it's going to, you know, quarterback, getting a great quarterback is not the easiest thing. But when they're right in front of you, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I, I, you know, the one thing about Mitchell Trubisky I want to say is if you go back to that year, all the experts actually had Mitchell Trubisky actually taken at that mm-hmm. spot. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not like it's all of a sudden it was true. And Patrick Mahomes wasn't even in, you know, the t- I think he was, he was figure on like be well below that, like, like 12, 13, 14. He was yeah. not even. Yep. So, so for people, this is, you know, the Bears were wrong. But the fact is, a lot of people were wrong, too, about Mitchell Trubisky at that point. What direction do you think they go? Do they, do they try to trade up? Do they, you know, maybe go with the O-line guy? Do they wait to do a quarterback in the later rounds? I think that's why they're at all these draft days for these quarterbacks. They're, they're, they're at all of them. You know, they're trying to see. I think they want to get a quarterback, but and they do have more draft picks. They did accumulate some draft picks uh, this year. So I think they could trade up. I think you got to take care of that offensive line, period. Yeah. You know, I, I really think that offensive line really needs to be solid. And you also have to figure out your, 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 your secondary now yep. is, is pretty decimated with, you know, getting, letting Kyle Fuller go. So I think with that, but, but as I said before, I do think somehow, some way, they have to draft a quarterback. And they should have been drafting quarterbacks all along. They should have been doing that instead of, you know, trying to do these piecemeal things. You're listening to Second City Sports Weekend Edition along with Lakina McGee, which is she. I am Sydney Brown. That's me. Mm-hmm. As we were talking with our good friend, Miss Cheryl Ray Stout from WBZ FM right here in Chicago. Cheryl, we talked about this uh, a little bit before we started recording. Of course, uh, baseball commissioner, uh, Rod Manfred said that he he thinks that they can most of the stadiums can have close to full capacity by the middle of the summer or by the end of the summer. Of course, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell said that he expects stadiums to be full by the time fall uh, comes around when the regular season starts in September. Of course, they're go- they're going to have a full preseason in August, it's reduced now to three games. Uh, well, uh, given your position, Cheryl, well. 
do you think that baseball and or football, I know the NBA, I'll throw this into Adam, Commissioner Adam, Adam Silver says he expects full crowds next season, but uh, some of these uh, uh, arenas will have some capacity as we head towards the playoffs. Given at your position where you stand, uh, do you think any of these um, uh, goals will be achieved in the next few months? I think it's going to be hard to do it before fall, anything at large capacity, but as we know, we do know there's arenas like in Dallas, you know, that they're going to want it. And we do know like the Rangers is, you know, for, for their, their baseball team is having full crowds. So we do know that their state, we do know in the NBA that there's, there are teams that have let yeah. fans in, mm-hmm. but I do know for a fact, I was talking to, to uh, Drew Valentine's mother when she went to see a game of um, Denzel in Orlando that they make them, the family, when they go, they have to take, COVID test for five days. So they're doing, they're doing all the right things. I don't think, I don't think that you can expect since we know that we're in a very tough spot still with, with the um, COVID virus, it is not eradicated. We don't, we only have 20 some percent of the country that's even vaccinated at this point. So until that's rectified, that's got to be taken care of before we talk about having fans in the stands in, in, in spring, summer. And I think the earliest would be fall. And I think football could do it, but I still think that they have to have some social distancing unless we see some really dramatic positive numbers with vac- vaccinations. And, and Manfred actually has done a, one thing I agree with him. Every team has to reach 85% vaccinations for their team in order for them to even reduce any of their protocols. And you have some teams that are kind of reticent about doing that, including the Cubs, who have players that are, and we were talking, to, I, I brought up with David Ross just yesterday, they are researching it still, players, mm-hmm. researching it still. Mm-hmm. So if you have that mindset with players, what are the fans like? You know, you have to think about that. And, and the other thing is, you know, you, you do have it, it, the different leagues are run differently. And the commissioners, when you look at commissioners, I have a, you know, a tree. I have Adam Silver on top because mm-hmm. the NBA yep. and, and then I put the WNBA right next to them. Mm-hmm. They know how to run things. They know and they look at the science. And, and of course, they have smaller numbers because of, you know, only 15 players. But but, you know. Mm-hmm. They've already getting their players vaccinated, and 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 these and you're having question marks. Let's wait and hear how the the NFL players are doing it, because I think you're going to have more pushback with them than almost any league. And the fact is, they're going to have they're going to have the draft in Cleveland, like they've had in Chicago and stuff like they were supposed. To. Yeah. And they're going to have fans there. Yep. So I'm you know I'm I'm just not sure about having full capacities although they, that's what they want and and that's mm-hmm. what and, and also they're saying that versus season ticket holds but they're also saying it for their sponsors because they want the sponsors to know that you know and also you've got the, the cities that depend on that money especially mm-hmm. nfl money yep. yep and you and they lost can you imagine how much i don't know what the numbers are but i know the numbers have to be pretty high the, mm-hmm. the dollars that were lost from not having fans going to soldier field or you know to the various um, uh, NFL uh, arenas. Do you think yep. that? Do, no, I was just say. Do you think Lee's can? Mm-hmm. Well, Sid and I talked about this a couple of weeks back. 
I don't think they'll be able to do it, but do you think leagues can make their players and their coaches and managers get the vaccines or else they you won't be able to play? Because I remember, I, I don't know which league it was, but I think that some, I think one of the leagues did try to do it, but the union, you know, challenged it. And, you know, it was, you know, with the flu shot, I mean, you know, they just, you know, it, it didn't yeah. bother bringing it up anymore. So I don't see it happening. What do you think? Look, you know, I, I think you're right. I don't, I don't think you can force anybody to do anything. And, and, and that was also brought up, it was brought up with various managers and coaches and general managers because i i keep bringing the subject up and they're going well we you know they're men they've got to decide for themselves you know they have they have the family considerations and i go well then they've got to figure out how can they get around this i mean what what they're what they are doing and i know they are in baseball they're doing they're bringing in medical experts to really and 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 really talking to them and I think that that changes people's mind when you're talking to somebody face to face rather than going on social media or hearing from your aunt or your cousin that says, don't get the shot. Right. Yeah. yeah. So when you hear yeah. a medical, because their, their bodies are important to them. Absolutely. And I know some of them are afraid of putting anything in them, but you've got science telling you that this is going to help you not get the variant that's going around right now. Look at the Vancouver Canucks. 26 yeah. players yeah. And, and, oh, and, 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 and the reason why the NHL has divided the way they have with their divisions and Canada yeah. Canadian teams only play in Canada and yet mm -hmm. they had 26 players much more than families and they're they have very they have very very ill players right now yeah. they are getting medical attention in their home and some of them I'm waiting to hear if any of them are going to be hospitalized so Wow. You know, it's, it's still there. It's not gone away yet. And so if, and the fact is because it's in Canada, nobody's, how many people are talking about Vancouver right now with the Canucks? Yeah. Are you hearing much about it? No. Not and much. plus, you know, yeah. But plus, like you said, sure, the way the NHL set it, set it up for this season, none of those Canadian teams are playing of uh, the American teams anyway. So exactly. thank goodness, thank goodness that that didn't happen because if it did, the, uh, who knows, this would be out of control times a thousand. And that's why I'm just talking to our listeners for a second. That's why the Toronto Raptors are playing in Tampa, Florida this year. Yep. That's why yeah, the Toronto they, Blue they, Jays they, at least they, are playing in Florida for the first of the year in baseball. But they had a lot of COVID. The Raptors yeah. had a ton of COVID. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. why they haven't been playing. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just crazy. Go ahead, Sid. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to bring, before we move on, I wanted to bring up this last point about a potential win can we see full capacity in, in our stadiums? Mm -hmm. Of course, the city of, of Los Angeles, of course, you've been paying attention to the news. That was, that was the new hotspot toward the end of last year going into uh, this year. Of course, uh, they're going to allow 20% into Staples Center, I believe, starting next week with the Lakers and the Clippers. Of course, they're at 20% starting this weekend with their opening series for baseball with the Dodgers and Nationals. Maybe you know more than I do, Cheryl. I know there were talks back in early March about uh, uh, the Bulls and the Blackhawks coming up with a plan for uh, fans to come back to the United Center this season. I know the cases are slightly up, especially in Cook County where the United Center is located. I know there's a fa there's one, uh, vaccination sites there at the United Center. I know vaccination sites are popping up all around the city and suburbs, but call me crazy, Cheryl, but I think, it, 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 thank you. It's not the first nor the last time, but I get the feeling that if the Bulls and or Blackhawks should make the playoffs, I think they might consider letting fans in for this season. What do you think? 
Or you can call me crazy again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, well, they, they have been allowing the families in. Um, okay. As far as the, the Bulls, not the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. But I think what the, I think they'll really listen to what Lori Lightfoot has to say as far as can you let them in? Because we're, we're now, we're on that surge again. And so I think what happens in these next couple of weeks will determine, because it won't be till May because mm-hmm. the way the season is, is going to be. So we, and I, and I wonder, here's the other thing. I wonder if some of these teams may say, if you could show a vaccination card, saying if you've had the vaccine when you had it and, 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 and some of how I'll make it, you know, that's legit. Yeah. I wonder if they mm-hmm. could do that to allow fans in this, in there. So I, 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 I think they want to, they, they can't do it right now because they are using it as like all the parking lots are being used for the mm-hmm. vaccination. So that's still, it's still being used for, for that. But you're right. I think the timetable of it being in May could open the door to have some fans there. And I, I think they want to do that, but they're, mm-hmm. they're watching these numbers right now. And if they see that the, the, the this right now, the numbers are going up, but if they see that continue going up like in, in, in another two weeks, then they're going to have to say no. But if they see those numbers coming down, then they can, you know, at least address and say, hey, it's a possibility. Let's think about Because they're, they're not going to fill the place. Right. That's for sure. Right. It'll only be a couple thousand. And you could get a couple thousand people in there, you know, and sell the tickets pretty quickly. It's not, it, it's not that mm-hmm. difficult. And keep everybody spread out. So I think, that, I think that's probably more doable. Okay. Let, let's talk a little college hoops for a second locally here with um, Loyola. We'll start. Um, Porter Moza, of course, is now down in Oklahoma. I think that's a good... That's a nice little fit for him. I think he could bring that style and probably perhaps challenge some of the top teams in the Big 12. Drew Valentine, who is Denzel's older brother, is now the new head coach. Now, were you surprised that Porter Moore left to go to OU? And also, too, what, how good of a job can Drew do over in Loyola? It's an interesting story. You know, uh, four years ago, Porter Moser was offered the St. John's job and, 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 a, and a bigger price. And, and, you know, St. John's is in a good area. You know, it, it, it was similar to DePaul as far as, you know, where they used to be. And he turned it down. He stayed at Loyola. Now, he had other offers too, but, but that, was, that, was the, that was a big one. But what he has done and how he has done it, and, and also being in the Missouri Valley Conference where you have to win your conference tournament in order to get a bid, how much more does he have to give? You know, he, he, he's, he really put that program into a positive light. He, he also, he knows how to recruit players. He keeps his players pretty much. You know, you have a couple that'll go to Porter, um, the Porter um, transfer. But, but when you look at what he did and how he did it, and one of the reasons what helped them achieve some of the goals of being the top defensive team in the country is actually Drew Valentine. Drew Valentine is their defensive coach. And so it was not a surprise that when Porter left and Drew, and actually Porter actually really went to Steve Watson, the AD saying, I want Drew to get my job. He actually told him, you know, I want him to have it. So he gets, he gets to get the job, 29 years old, always coach. He, you know, he was, he was, he definitely did his, his, his role there, what he's supposed to do. The other thing that I found out when I was at the press conference is that some of those seniors, remember there's a few seniors on that team, one or two of them may be staying. 
And if that does happen, and he's pretty sure one for sure, if that does happen, that continue, he can continue what they were doing and improve and, and, and recruit. And, be, and he also told me, Drew told me directly that they are going to try to get some of these players in the transfer portal. There's over 1,200 players right now in the transfer portal. It is going to be the wild, wild west of recruiting right now. So, and that's why he needs to know what the seniors are going to do. So do I have to fill a need because you're going to leave and I have to fill it? So I, I thought that that was a good, you know, and I was kind of disappointed because I, it was the first time I was at a press conference in over a year because we've been doing this like on Zoom, but Loyola had a press conference and there was only four report, all the TV cameras were there, but there was only four reporters there. And I'm like, come on, this is, you know, this is a big, this is a big deal yeah. because yeah. You're, you're talking about a team that went to the final four, four years ago, a team that went to the Sweet 16 this year, you know, a team that actually had, you know, had a lot of, you know, national attention. Yeah. But the funniest thing I heard um, Porter Moser say at his press conference, they were asking him about Sister Jean. And, <laughs> and he said, she's going through the transfer portal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think she approved it too, so I think that 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 I think that helps a little bit. What what yeah. about what about Tony Stubblefield over at um DePaul? Do you think he can you know sort of get DePaul out of that basement in the Big East? Well, you know, I, why Lakina? I, I, <laughs> I, I have to ask her. I have to ask her. <laughs> yeah, they've been they've been in the cellar five years in a row, and I I talked to Tony uh, the other day and in uh, uh, Dwayne uh, Peavy. Um, it's a tough job, but Tony Stubblefield, he's 51 years old. He's never been a head coach. He's been an assistant 10 years at Oklahoma, I mean, at Oregon. He was at University of Cincinnati, which was, you know, being a big East. So yeah. he has, he's familiar with the conference. He also, you know, he worked with Lou Henson at New Mexico state. Yeah. So, and one, what is his big, big trademark? He's a recruiter. He knows how to recruit. And he, you know, and one of the things that he talked about immensely at his press conference, I want to recruit Chicago, Chicago area, and Illinois. That's a tough, that's a tough task. He's got a tough task. And, you know, you're, you're in a big conference, but he, but, but he's had success. He's, he's, he's helped build a team that once has won and, and, and has been in the NCAA a lot. So he's got, he's, he's got that background. I think I think one of the difficult things about DePaul is where they play. They had the opportunity years ago to put a new arena on their campus and they didn't do it. Yep. And they also, you had a bad athletic director who was bad to Ray Meyer and his son and that cost them. And so they, now they think Wintrust, I don't, I don't know about you, I'm not a big fan of Wintrust Arena. I don't like the location. I don't care for it. I, I, there's a lot of things I don't like about it. I understand play, teams want to play there because they want to be downtown. But I, I, I don't think it's the best place to play. Unfortunately, that's the only place to get. Even though DePaul was offered the United Center for free for a couple of years, they turned it down. So they, I think they've made a lot of mistakes. But you, have, you do have a new regime there as far as your athletic director. You have a new head coach. So I, you know, I hope that he succeeds because DePaul is a great institution for, for college basketball. Yeah. Doug Bruno, what he's done, 
in his ten years. It's the first year that he's missed the NC two A tournament in seventeen years. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody talks about what you know Doug has done. Everyone worries about the men, and and I and I think what I think that just this is an opportunity, and I think again with the with the transfer portals, he's going to have to act really quick to get some of these players. And if he and sometimes you could you know because of the craziness of this, you may be able to rebuild your team a little bit faster. It won't be really fast, but I think you can make some steps. Heading down the home stretch with our Chicago A Sports reporter from WBZ FM in Chicago and our Chicago sports historian, good friend, Miss Cheryl Ray Stout, right here on the, on the weekend edition of Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Cheryl, we talked about this too before we started recording. Uh, the NC2A uh, March Madness was completed. We had a small minor hiccup with the Oregon VCU first round game being forfeited with uh, Oregon moving on because of VCU's COVID issues. But Baylor upset uh, Gonzaga uh, this past Monday night for the title. Congratulations to them. We're, even though I say that the NCAA is a bunch of crooks, but we'll let that go for now. But <laughs> don't let it go. I don't want to get angry for this whole segment, Cheryl. We love you. I don't want to take out my frustration on people that I love. I don't want to do that. But, uh, I do it for the both of us. So. <laughs> <laughs> what grade would you give the NCAA for pulling off this March Madness tournament, even though we didn't have it a year ago? I'd say, you know, a B. I think there's some things that they could have done better. Um, yeah, when you when you have a team that loses in the final four and you send them on a on a plane at one o'clock in the morning instead of staying overnight, I think that's dumb. Yeah, I think what they did with the women, how they treated the women and their yeah. their experiences was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will admit the fact that they were able to pull it off, and you did have one team that couldn't make it through, and you were able to pull it off in one state. In, in, in the arenas that they did, and you were able to do that, I think that was fabulous. I think they'd be able to, and you know what? I kind of like the idea of being them in one, one place. I, I do know, I, I know it was taxing on the players because they would have, if you won that week and you had to stay through the whole week and you, you miss going back to your campus and enjoying the, mm-hmm. the, the win. But, but I think it helped, I think it helped a lot of the teams bond and they got to practice, you know, and, and Zoom now, you know, how many guys are actually doing their schoolwork anyway during this time? <laughs> um, Not too many, as we know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, but 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 they but they do. But with Zoom, they could still do their work. You know what I mean? So so I I kind of like them being. I like them being at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Mm-hmm. I kind of like you know. I kind of like them being in these 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 places that were a little different. And, and the fact that Indianapolis really, you know, they, they did a good job. They really did a good job. I do have some concerns that we do know that there's some COVID issues that happened with some fans. And so I'm kind of, you know, concerned that we don't know the truth about some of that too. Mm. But I think for the players, I think, it, you know, the seating was not great until the end. The only thing that got right was number one and number two. But number two actually still won. But you know what I'm saying? They they, <laughs> yeah. they got they got their seating pretty right on the back end. On the yeah. front end, I think they I think they screwed Illinois and Loyola. I think those two should have been seated not in this. They could be in the same region, but they should not have met in in this in, in the first game. Should not have happened. Mm. Now, we'll, now you know we'll talk, let's talk a little hockey for a second. You know in these last couple of minutes. Do you, Why? Do you think- 
from this you know blackhawks team they were so good earlier they were confident but then they kind of fell back to being what exactly what they what they are so cheryl do, do you think that they can at least try to make the playoffs or do you think that you know they can they make any kind of moves you think well they made a move yesterday they they, they moved some players uh yesterday and and you know i think it's a kind of mid-range moves but but the the deadline's coming up, and there's a couple of players that you may you know you, Dylan Strom could get traded, yeah. uh, Ryan Carpenter, you know there's a couple of guys that Dehan could get traded, uh, Zadora, there's some guys that could could go. But you look at where they're at right now, and I don't think you're going to be able to get players. Oops, sorry, I don't <laughs> think you could get players that are going to help you win the playoffs at this point. I think when when you're four points out of that last spot. At this yeah. point, with only 15 games left, I think it's hard to get beyond that. I think it's going to be hard for them. So I think what they have to do, if they're making any trades, they're making it for future uh, players. That's, that's, that's my opinion as far as that goes. Yeah. I do like Before, what Rocky Words did yesterday, this week, though. I think buying the Ice Hogs, revamping yeah. that, helping the city of Rockford, because they bought them from Rockford, I think that was a great move. Yeah. It helps the city of Rockford. There's going to be jobs created there, and that's where – that's been the bread and butter of these young players that are gonna, that's on the team right now. So I want to give them uh, some kudos on that. Most definitely. Before I move on to my last question, Cheryl, I just wanted to say hopefully when Jonathan Taves comes back ne next season, and I think Kevin Lincoln and uh, the goalie who's been playing out of his mind coming out of nowhere this year, I think they're better set up next year uh, as far as making yeah. the playoffs and possibly making a deep run. If they make it this year, so be it. But We'll see what GM Stan Bowman does this offseason. They still have a lot of work to do. I think they still have some salary cap issues here and there, but I think they better set, set up next year. I know what they did last year in the bubble in the playoffs, yeah. but they, I think they better set up next year and you can construct this roster in a proper way. And you got to look to see what players are going to make available in the expansion draft. Yep. And yeah, that comes up at the next season. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so I mean, that, yeah, for the new Seattle they, team. There'll be, be settings, you know, so, so there's a lot of things that they have to get in order, but. I think they're in the right direction. I think the, the, the problem is you had a lot of young players this year. And you saw some terrific games, but they've never experienced. I mean, this, and also, again, because of the situation, they were playing game after game after game. And, you yeah. know, there's, there was a condensed schedule that was really difficult. And that's something that, they, that they can at least look forward to, that they did have some success, some real good success. Yeah. Now I think they're just kind of worn down. Well, let, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. Last, last question from me, Cheryl. There, there's this entertainment company called Versus. They've been having these uh, Instagram online battles between uh, old school uh, music artists from the 80s and 90s for the past few <laughs> weeks. I know last week they had a battle between the R&B uh, legendary groups, the Isley Brothers and Chicago's very own. Uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, R.I.P. Maurice White. I know you listen to all uh, types of music. If you can have two of your favorite musical groups or solo acts go up, uh, go up against each other in a battle, who, who would they be? Are they alive or dead? It, can, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's up to you. Well, see, I, I'm a huge, huge Beatles fan. I mean, I just love the Beatles, but I also like Eric Clampton, too. But my, my other one would be Janis Joplin. Oh, Janis Joplin and, and the Beatles, that would be my two. Oh, nice. Okay. Very nice. Janis was, was the best. Yeah. And, and, and if I was Remain, 
I mean, Mercedes, I'd get her song be played before I go up to the, the plate. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? <laughs> well, look, 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 if, if, I, if, look, if I were the company, I would try to get him to, you know, to, you know, to get one of their cars, their new cars. I mean, I, yeah, I think, yeah. you know, don't, don't you think that they should at least get him a car, you know, like Come him drive yeah. Come on, I mean, at least let, at least let them have it for the season or something. Come on, now, that, that's good promotions. Yeah. You, know, so, you know, stay with the White Sox, um, Cheryl. Last question for me. Do you think it's World Series or bust for them? I think they're thinking that. I think that I think that's a goal to have. It, it can happen, I don't know. And, you know, because they've had some injuries, but they, they've put together a great staff. They've got a lot of boppers. Aloy Mena's injury, really, that kind of hurts them somewhat. Yeah. But if they can get some of these young players and also some of the older ones. It, the, they, they've got the right mindset. They've got the talent. They got to make sure that their defense is cleaned up. And, and if the starters can do what they can do, this, this team can, can win it. I don't know if they will, but they can. <laughs> <laughs> of course. All right. That was our good friend, Chicago A Sports reporter in our Chicago sports historian from WBEZ FM here in Chicago, Miss Cheryl Raystel. Cheryl, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us here today on the weekend edition of Second City Sports. You keep up the great work, and let's Yay. not make this uh, too long before we have you on again. Anytime. Thank you I so much. I love talking to both of you. Thank you. You All right. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you so much. Stay safe. You too. Once again, that was Cheryl Ray Stout, great friend of the show uh, from WBEZ right here in Chicago, 91.5 FM. You can follow her on Twitter at C Ray Stout. That's the letter C R A Y E Stout. That's S T O U T. Whew, Last few words, Lakina, before you close us out. Oh, I got to towel off. Mic drop. I know, right? Mic drop. I have to towel off. I mean, I'm, I'm always yes. happy when she's on. And she, look, she, she shares, you know, some great stories. And yeah. excuse me, not afraid to share her opinion. But, you know, look, again, quick shout out to Baylor. First team, you know, mm -hmm. outside the East Coast, believe it or not, said to, win that that, to win that title since 08, the Kansas Jayhawks, you know. And, you know, just a quick synopsis here. Um, I remember when Scott Drew got the job in 03, and look, after everything that happened prior to that, I mean, look, there were, there were folks that were saying that they should have disbanded that men's team. I mean, believe it or oh, not. Oh, yeah, they had so. that murder case going on at the time. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the documentary that. I saw that, Showtime. yeah. Showtime. So, I forgot what it's called, but go look at them, folks. I, that last head coach, I still don't trust him. Yeah. He's a liar. Go look at the documentary for yourselves. Yeah. You know yeah, why so I say what look, I said. Look, I'll, yeah. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, just look it up. So, you know, I'm sure, you know, he's, you know, Scott Drew was saying that people thought he was nuts for, because he was at Oral Roberts at the time. And, mm -hmm. you know, but look, look, look at him now. Look, I mean, you know, Jared Butler, Maceo Teague. Um, there was another player that, look, a lot of those guys could have left, you know, for the NBA after what happened. But look, look. Look, they they stayed and they were able to look. They hammered, you know, Gonzaga and look. I I was I was not surprised that they won the way they did. But look, you got to commend that whole team. You know, love, love them and I'm sure. Look, after everything that's happened at Baylor, they could use some good news. So, congrats to them. Yeah, congrats to them as well. Just quickly, uh, uh, a couple of comments on the game. Gonzaga, uh, you could say that they choked, but they were outplayed. Yep. Baylor, they Baylor. That performance reminded me of Loyola versus. Illinois, as Cheryl brought up in, in our interview, if you remember, Loyola came out from the start. They had the perfect game plan for the final line night, and they were on them from start to finish. That's the same thing what happened to Baylor uh, with Baylor against Gonzaga on Monday night. 
they were aggressive defensively, offensively, everything came together. Gonzaga didn't know what to do. So congratulations to, to the Baylor Bears. And, and it I was think, earned and they deserved it. Oh, yeah, look, and Mark Vittell, who, you know, only had six points, but he had, like, 11 rebounds, who kept a lot of those, you know, the possessions there for Baylor, said, look, I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he said, look, we got, look, we hit him in the mouth, mouth and look, they, 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 they weren't able to get up. So, look, talk your yep. talk, Baylor. You earned it. <laughs> yep, they earned it. And also, too, you know, the, the Masters is this weekend, although weather could be an issue. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But we'll talk a little bit about that on Monday. But whew, just, a, just a, you know, had a great show, Sid. So with that, yes. you can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan McGee on the IG. You can follow me on the Twitter and the Instagram at CK80. Once again, at CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can watch us here on YouTube at War Media, once again at WARR Media, as we drive episodes on this channel first every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube. Once again, every Friday and every Monday and every Friday right here on YouTube first at War Media. That's WARR Media right here on YouTube. You still have to catch our podcast. That schedule hasn't changed every Tuesday and Saturday, every Tuesday and Saturday on our podcast at war on anchor that's w-a-r-r on anchor on all podcast platforms that's stitcher apple itunes spotify google play stitcher soundcloud and that iHeartRadio app just type in that search engine box w-a-r-r on anchor you can go to our website we are that's w-e-a-r-e-r-e-g-a-l radio.com and you can follow us on on all social media platforms that's facebook twitter instagram at war media once again, at WARR Media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Ooh, ooh, got it. I think I think Sydney's a towel off after all of that. Yes, so, yes. Right. <laughs> you know, for Sid, I'm Lakina. You know, stay warm out there, guys. And be careful. Be good to each other. Be careful out there. And, you know, look, if you want to get your vaccines, you know, go for it. But if you're not, look, keep your distance, wash your hands, and, you know, be good to each other. This has been Second City Sports Zoom style, and we'll see you next week. Till next time, holla!